This episode of the podcast is supported by Bounce Athletics. They are offering you an additional 10% discount just for listening to the 343 podcast. Bounce Athletics can help you differentiate your club or team with custom NFHS and FIFA-approved training balls for a fraction of the cost. They arrive customized with your logo and color scheme for about $15 to $20 per ball. Similar textured training balls from Nike, Adidas, or Select would be in the $50 to $60 range. Custom training balls from Bounce Athletics feature a variety of textured polyurethane and microfiber outers with cutting-edge, seamless hybrid production technology. And they also help solve a big problem that coaches know all too well. Here is Zach, the co-founder of Bounce Athletics, to tell you about that problem. What's funny is one of the biggest issues everybody has is balls losing their air, and then the coach spends the first... 15 minutes of every session pumping soccer balls up and you know every every ball we have utilizes kind of the newest technology and beautiful bladders so that they're they're holding air for the duration of, of most seasons and maybe uh you know four five six weeks into the season the coach will have to top them off a little bit the balls are legit i've personally tested them and i highly recommend them and don't forget 343 listeners get an additional 10 percent discount when you mention the 343 podcast just email your logo to info at bounceathletics.com to begin the order process and also receive some complimentary design mock-ups. Later in the show, Zach will return to talk about another problem that Bounce Athletics can help players, coaches, and teams solve. So stay tuned for that. For now, just enjoy the episode. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. How did a kid from Hoover, Alabama, end up signing a contract with Bayern Munich? That's what I wanted to find out during my conversation with Ken Richards. His son, Chris, is one of the most talked about young American players, and rightfully so. But his journey to Germany was anything but easy. During this conversation, Ken talks about his own personal sporting experiences, Chris's developmental years when he played soccer and basketball, and he also discusses the rapid ascension from Alabama to Texas to Germany. No one can tell Chris's story better than his parents. And I'm super happy that his dad agreed to spend some time talking to me about what it was like raising one of this country's best young soccer players. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. And if you enjoy this episode or other episodes of the 343 podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, if you really enjoy it, you can also help other people find the show by giving it a five-star rating, giving it a review, or just simply sharing it on social media. But if you really want to help support the 343 podcast, you can do that by signing up for the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. It is an online program that provides you with the best coaching education for a fraction of the price when compared to other licenses and courses that are out there. Now, long before this podcast even existed, I was actually a member of this program, and I have personally studied and used all of the activities that you'll get if you sign up, and I highly recommend all of it. The 343 membership program teaches you the proven possession-based methodology and allows you to study and learn from one of the best coaches in American soccer. The membership includes videos of real training sessions, videos of real matches, the 12 core activities to help you start coaching possession-based soccer, 
ebooks, audio lessons, recorded presentations in clinics, plus forums for networking and sharing ideas with other 343 members. All of that for just $295. And that, my friends, is a ton of value. You can visit 343coaching.com for all of the details about the membership program or to simply sign up and start learning today. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right, I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I guess the best place to start would probably be an introduction and okay. maybe you can you can tell people who you are and and why why I'm interviewing you or why you think I'm I'm interviewing you and then I have a few questions written down but I kind of just want to see where the conversation takes us and 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 see what we uh see what we get ourselves into. Okay. Um my name is Ken Richards. I'm the father of Christopher Richards who has signed a four and a half year contract to play with Bayern Munich um, in Germany. Uh, he's 18 years old, and um, I'm just I'm just a proud father who's so so happy to see my son live out his dreams. And you know I'm looking looking forward to the future and see you know seeing what the future has in store for him. So I'm just a father that's just kind of kind of along for the ride, um, just there for support and, um, you know, hoping the best for my son. When did you realize that Chris was a special soccer player? At what point did you realize like this, like this kid actually, you know, could fulfill his dreams? Um, I would have to say maybe about three years ago, we were planning a, planning a tournament. We were playing some of the top teams in our region, some out of Atlanta, and um, and we had he played two games that weekend. I think it was against the Ambush out of Atlanta and the other team. The name kind of escapes me, but after both, with well, the first game, the coach came up to me and he was a European guy. I could tell. I want to say he said he's from England. But he told me, he said, um, he said, your son is, is, is world class. He said, um, he most definitely has a bright future in, um, in soccer. And, uh, then that, that, this was on a Saturday. And then that following Sunday, we played the other team. I think one was like first in the, in our region and the other one was third. And there's two coaches, the same thing. You know, they came up to me after the game, asked me about my son and, you know, just saying how how impressed they were with him as a player and that, you know, they most definitely thought that he had a bright future in soccer and they could see him playing professionally. That was the first time anybody had, had come up and approached you and, and tried to talk to you about kind of like the what the next steps might be? Yes, yes. I, I think kind of on that level, I mean, there were some local people who said that um, – you know, they thought he had a bright future. But one of the things with Christopher at the time is that he had all of the instincts that it took to be a a really good center back. But um, 
he was kind of undersized. He hadn't grown much at that point. And so, you know, I guess for playing that position, that was just one of the biggest concerns. But as far as the instincts and speed and quickness and athleticism, he had that. Where did where did he get the instincts and the non-physical soccer traits from? Or are you guys a soccer family, or did he pick this up from youth coaches along the way? What what gave him those special soccer qualities that it sounds like these other coaches were, were noticing in, in in the absence of all the physical traits? Right. We most definitely were not a soccer family until he you know, got involved in soccer. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I played basketball overseas for uh, – I did it for about four years. And, you know, there were a couple of times I was in, playing in Iceland uh, professionally, and I had an opportunity. It was in 98, and I had, I had an opportunity to go watch the French national team play against the Icelandic national team. Um, but obviously at this time, Chris Christopher wasn't born, and I wasn't into soccer at all, being from America. So, of course, I turned it down, and I chose not to go. Um, you know, I had a when I was in Australia, I had a really good friend who was from England, but he was of Nigerian descent, and we were really good friends. And he would try to get me to come watch soccer with him all the time, and I just had no interest. And actually, this was in 2000, which is the year Christopher was born. And so, no, we most definitely were not a soccer family. Um, <laughs> it's funny. So, it's funny to hear you like just you're adamant about like most definitely like we were not. That's that's just funny to hear you say that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, um, but I think kind of what helped Chris is that he played soccer and basketball and. You know, at an early age, he ran track as well. And so that kind of helped with his speed. And as far as the basketball, he kind of developed a lot of court vision and awareness and stuff, you know, kind of thinking one step ahead, which is very important, you know, is as a center back. And it was one of the first things that Eric Quill noticed when we went there um, to try for the Houston, Texas. And he said he liked how he could disguise his passes coming from the back, and he liked how he thought one play ahead. And those type of things, he said he could tell he could, he noticed that that he had a basketball background, and um, you know, Christopher was a really good point guard in basketball. He was a true point guard, and so I think those things kind of helped him to develop, you know, some of those skills. I think both basketball and soccer. I think they kind of, um, they kind of he kind of, you know. Those sports are so similar. They have some of the same principles and, you know, some of the same the foundation that you need for both sports. And so I think that by playing both of those, they kind of help them, you know, each one kind of assist them with the other. I'm curious about the basketball stuff because, you know, basketball culture tends to be a little bit more informal when it comes to, like, development. Like, there's a lot of, like, pickup games and, and you know, you know, playing uh-huh. in the gym and, and things like that. And that's where a lot of people develop what you just mentioned, like those disguised passes. Like, I, I don't remember a single moment in my childhood growing up, and I played basketball and, and, and soccer as well, but I don't remember a single moment with a coach teaching me how to how to make a disguised pass. Like, that's stuff that I picked up when playing at the YNCA and, and things like that. So I'm, I'm curious, like, where – where Chris kind of, you know, cut his teeth in in a basketball sense 
and who he was playing against and and you know was it against younger players was it against men um and and where he kind of developed that that vision i guess it, it, it was some of both it was some it was playing against some kids his age and sometime i would even take him to the gym with me and you know i would play with him and there would be some older guys some younger kids mixed in and um you know so he got a chance to you know to kind of play you know and I, I know it most definitely helped him by playing with the older guys and that's why i took him out there to play and you know i was also there to where i could kind of shelter him and stuff as well but um you know, and this is what we did at the rec, um, at the YMCA's and stuff, and and so that's kind of how he, um, you know, he developed some of those skills. I'm 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 picturing like a soccer field and a basketball court side by side right now in my head, and thinking about like the bis- the position that he plays, and you mentioned that mm-hmm. he played um, point guard in in, in basketball and, and center back in, in soccer. And you kind of you kind of operate in the same area, which is kind of unique. And, and I've never thought about this before. But you know, the point guard kind of hangs out on top of the three point line, and everybody else is kind of making mm-hmm. movements down down towards the baseline. And then the, the point guard kind of right. decides where the ball is going to go next. And that's kind of like a center back. Right. Right. Wow. I've, right. Never, I've never thought about that before. And and you know, I guess the the funny thing is that I you know, Chris was start off. He was he was a striker. He started off as a striker. Um, then I want to say about 10 or 11, he kind of moved back to became a midfielder. And um, I want to say it was maybe 13 or so that he moved back to a center back. And, you know, this was kind of what he, he kind of chose this. His coach kind of made the suggestion. He saw something in him. But Christopher, you know, he he loved it when he, when he did it. Actually, what happened is that we were we, – we we were on we were short of something and they put him back at center back and it just kind of it just kind of grew and evolved from there. Um, but you know the funny thing is that I can look back in time and we were playing um, ODP um, and we were playing against some team the ODP team out of Georgia and honestly our the Alabama ODP team was not very good. I want to say Chris was maybe twelve or something like that and so. At that time, he was like a striker and midfielder, so he was an attacking player. But because our team was not very well, and the team out of Georgia was, they were really good. They had a lot of really good players. The coach put Christopher back at center back, and um, you know, so I'm sitting back, I'm standing back watching the game. And I, I don't really have all the under, I didn't at the time, especially have all the understanding of what to look for in a player center back and. And this, and I guess, kind of being a typical father, I wanted my son to be a top scoring goals and things like that. But um, there was one, there was a coach from one of the ODP teams out of Georgia, and uh, he was standing back there with me, and he asked me, said, "Which, which is your son?" And I said, "Right there." I can't remember what his number was. I said, "I pointed to Christopher," and he said, "Oh man," he said, "Um, he said he's a really good center back. He said he, the way he kind of moves and kind of flows with the play and stuff and." And everything, and you know, mind you, like I said, at this time, Christopher was an attacking player. He was just doing it. And so, you know, I never thought anything else about it until he really started playing center back. And I kind of looked back on that, and I was like, huh. I said, you know, this guy must have saw something that obviously me not knowing a whole lot about soccer and what to look for in certain positions and stuff, this guy really saw something in him at that point in time. 
And, um, you know, I just feel like it's the perfect, it's the perfect position for him. Um, even when he was like so fast and when he's an attacking player, his, his first thought was always to pass the ball, even in basketball. And that was just kind of his personality. And, um, so to me, I just feel like it was a position that was that he was made for. Yeah, that's it's cool to hear you talk about that, and and it's always hard to track back and pinpoint like like specific moments. I mean, because if you're playing ODP and and you know games and games and games throughout their youth career, it's like it's really hard to pick out the one one specific moment. It all kind of blurs together, or blends together after a while. But that's cool that you that you can kind of remember that that one specific moment. Right. Um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I had written down and I had, I had noticed on, on social media is that you've, I don't know if, if corrected is the right word or, um, you know, just, just provided input into Chris's development when people are talking about, you know, where, where he developed as a player. And, and it's almost like you want to mm-hmm. make sure that credit is going to the appropriate place. And so I wanted to give you a chance to speak about, you know, who has been a big influence on Christopher during his, his youth development. And, and I've, I've heard you, I think mention his name a couple of times already um, in, in the 15 minutes we've been talking, but um, who, who are some of the big influences on him as a young player? And, and, and um, maybe, maybe just like what specifically did some of the coaches do for him when, when he was developing? Um, well, I would say Hoover soccer club and the coach was, his coach was Tomas Fox, Tomas Fox for most of those years. And Tomas was, um, you know, he always encouraged Chris, but he always pushed him. He pushed him hard. And Tomas was kind of the first one who, who kind of helped bring it up about Chris playing center back. He saw something in him as a, even when he was at midfield. And Tomas would always be like, man, if Chris grows up to be your size. He said, man, he's, He'll he'll be something special. <laughs> how, how how big are um, you? How tall are you? I'm about six three. Okay, about six three and a half. And um, and you know, but like I said, Chris was a late bloomer. He didn't. Oh God, I mean, he didn't grow until maybe he didn't start growing to like his 11th grade year. So I mean, he was maybe five ten, five nine when he left here to go to Houston and play. Um, when he left home, but um. Yeah, you know, Hoover Soccer Club with Tomas was a big a big influence on Chris in his earlier years. Um, they played a major part in in his development, and um, you know, so I you know I most definitely have to give them a bulk of the um, credit for it. And um, obviously, Eric Quill at Houston, Texas, you know, he gave Chris the opportunity to play on that level. And to, um, you know, he, he believed in Chris from the get-go and he allowed him to come out and play and make mistakes and play through those mistakes. And, um, you know, some of the things that Eric was able to kind of teach him and stuff um, really helped his growth along the way as well. So I would, th- I would say those two were the, big, were the biggest two. Tell me about the decision to to move him from from home to Houston that's that seems like a like a pivotal moment in 
or yeah, just just a, 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 um, yeah, a pivotal moment, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, in his in his youth career, and it's and if if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, it was about at age fourteen or fifteen, where it started to become a reality that this um, dream of becoming a professional soccer player could actually happen. And so, you know, it sounds like, you know, 16, 17 years old, he's moving away from home. And then at 19, he's in a completely different country. So I'm, I'm curious what that first move was like from, from Alabama to, to Houston. Um, it was hard for, it was hard for me and my wife, his parents to let him go. Uh, you know, we felt like we were being chewed out of two, out of two years, you know, having with our son, our firstborn. So it was most definitely a hard decision. Uh, but we knew it had come to the times where by him staying here, he wasn't going to grow the way that he needed to grow and develop as a player. Um, and, you know, at this point also, we knew we had to make a decision whether it was going to be basketball or soccer. And, you know, we kind of let him make that decision. Um and soccer was the one that he, he, he liked the most. And so we, we decided, we decided that, um, you know, we would give this a shot and, <laughs> you know, obviously I must say it was, it was the best decision. Um, but yeah, it just kind of happened. Like I said, he, he played ODP that year, you know, he made, he, had, he did well down at the regionals down in, um, IMG, he did really well. He made the all-star team there and everything. And, you know, so they got a chance to go on a trip to Argentina. They were initially supposed to go to Amsterdam, but that was when a, a terrorist attack or something had happened over there. And so the um, ODT organization, you know, canceled that trip. And so they put together one to go to Argentina. And so he went to Argentina and played really well. And, you know, he was captain and, and the coach there really liked him. I want to say the coach there was from like Lone Star down in Austin, Texas. And he told Chris, he said, I know some coaches. I'm going to make some calls for you when we get back. He said, because you most definitely been in an academy somewhere. And he said, um, you know, would you mind if I did that? And, you know, and so he did. And actually, we got a try with the with um, LC Dallas. And, and uh and Chris went there and tried out. He flew out there and tried out, and um, it didn't go so well. You know, he was he was devastated, and um, you know, so he flew back home. And I think shortly after that, Eric called us from the Texans, and uh, he, you know, he talked to us, and you know, we kind of asked him what was the setup as far as Christopher living. He said, "I have a host family here." He said they've been a part of the club for years. He said they have a son that's about a year or two younger than Chris and they have a daughter. And um, he said, I know them well. He said, I, you know, like I said, they're, they're really involved in the club and everything. And, you know, he said, I would love for you guys to come out and bring Chris and let him try out and play with the guys and you guys get a chance to meet the family. And that's, and so that's what we did. Actually, me and Christopher drove out there and, um, we st- we were out there for a weekend, and so you know we had, we had been talking on the phone with the host family and everything, and and so um, we went out there and he played obviously played really well. Eric really liked him, and after meeting the host family, the Easterns, we um you know I, I told my wife I said I think I think I could feel comfortable with letting them 
the new car here, I said, I, I really like them. I have a really good feeling about them. And I said, Chris really liked the, the guys. He liked Eric. And I said, you know, I, I think we should we should let him go. And so, you know, we made the decision to let him go. And like I said, he hasn't looked back since. As you're telling that story, I I, I got chills a little bit. My, my skin kind of got like the goosebumps. And mainly because... Yeah of the way that you described the process that Eric went through of, of kind of courting you and, and bringing you guys out there. And mm-hmm. yeah, he, he did everything absolutely right. And, and that's what a lot of people are. Uh, well, I'm not, I, I won't, I won't talk too much crap actually. Um, you, you know, we did, we just need more people doing it. Like, like it sounds like Eric did and mm-hmm. people like Eric need to get the recognition for doing it correctly and for for finding for finding the you know a player and enabling the player and the family to feel comfortable and and to feel wanted and and that sure. that seems like such a such a huge moment in in like what happened next because after that it's like you know pedal all the way down to the floor and 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 it's just like full speed ahead because he he went from you know Alabama to Germany in, in you know almost like record time it seems yeah. like right right it was man and you know we laugh about it and stuff and you know we we always say that man it's you know we felt like God had a plan for him, you know because it, it it seemed to us like every time we thought that something didn't go right or it didn't go the way that we thought it should go. And, you know, it was kind of down and he was down. The next situation that we were put in was even a better situation than, you know, what we could have imagined. And so it's like it was just kind of falling in the place for him. I mean, we were devastated when LC Dallas, you know, said, ah, it's not quite what we what were looking for. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, to me, as a former athlete, you know, I figured he would take it one of two ways. Either he would crush him or he would use it as fuel to motivate him. And obviously he did the latter because actually I can remember he was once Eric called and stuff. And and I think Eric may have told him while we looked at the schedule and it showed they played FC Dallas twice. He was, he was like, yeah, I want to go there. I want to play against them. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he played really well, obviously, both times they played him. <laughs> hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics are offering you an additional 10% discount just for listening to this episode of the 343 podcast. When I spoke to Zach, the co-founder of Bounce Athletics, he mentioned one of the most common problems that coaches and players and teams have when it comes to their training equipment. This is what he had to say. Finding goals that are portable, um, that can be moved from environment to environment quickly and perform just as well on grass as they do on turf as they do on hardwood or, or wherever you're at. Thankfully, that problem has been solved thanks to the Dynamo goals made by Bounce Athletics. They have revolutionized people's training sessions. For those that don't know, they're a three by five, all aluminum frame. They fold flat in like five seconds and they... You pop them back up in a couple seconds. The moment I saw the Dynamo goals in action, I was totally convinced that these were the best goals on the market. 
And since using the Dynamo goals, I haven't even touched the other goals that I have had for years. And I was curious about who else was already using these. So I asked Zach, and here's what he had to say. Everything from recreational programs that are using them for their 3v3 and 4v4 to college and pro teams that have 20 of them. 343 listeners get an additional 10% discount when you mention the 343 podcast. Just email info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, do, do you get a sense that the FC Dallas had a little bit of buyer's remorse when, when they played those when they played those two games against Houston? I do. I do. I do. And I also thought that when they were out in the um, in the final four out of LA for the national championship, I can remember watching FC Dallas play and I thought I can remember watching them like Boy, if they had Chris at center back back there, <laughs> you know, they would be. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm serious. Yeah, you no. Know, I wasn't just saying it because he was my son, but I'm just looking and, you know, I was like, because they were playing Atlanta, I think it was. And, um, you know, I was like, yeah, they, they could have really used him because he was actually playing up. So he was playing U18 or something like that. He was playing up a year. So he wasn't playing with the age group that he was supposed to even be, have been playing with. and um, so, But I was watching the game with that age group that he was supposed to be with at FC Dallas when they played Atlanta. And I was like, yeah, they could have they could have really used him. <laughs> how how did they go, or how does, how does it go from, you know, they say, yeah, thank you, but no thank you, to then, you know, they start the courting process to bring him uh, back over. Well, I think when you – I don't want to get too much into it, but, you know, I know some of the things he did out there was – I don't know. I don't necessarily – I'm not – I can't really say how you should evaluate players in soccer because obviously I, I never was a soccer player. But I felt like, you know, they were kind of evaluating him as a – kind of like you would a midfield as opposed to a center back. And – um you know, honestly, I don't really think they gave him much of a a really serious chance when when he went out there. You know, because they were LC Dallas. You know, they he was still kind of an unknown, and they were used to getting the you know the cream of the crop, the kids that everybody knew about. And so, me personally, I didn't feel like they really. I mean, they allowed him to come out there and try out, but I didn't think that they were really looking at him seriously. That's a it's a very good point, and it's something that you guys never experienced because you guys obviously didn't go the college soccer route. But it's something that you know a lot of parents experience when their kids get ready to go play college soccer, and they go through like a tryout process or um, uh, kind of like an open house type weekend or whatever. And and parents have a really hard time deciphering, you know, what means what. And so it's if you get like a letter from a college. There's there's two different types of letters. There's a, you know, like a personalized letter asking the player, telling you that hey, we are really interested and we want to offer this player a scholarship. Blah 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 blah. That's pretty serious. Um, right. And then there's another letter that's more generic, like hey, like you know, here are the dates for all of these camps, and if you can make it, come yes. come make it. And it's like that's a big difference. And parents tend to get kind of right. fooled by that, and and that that still happens. That 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 mindset 
still exists in the development academy and and even at you know mm-hmm. the major league soccer level with you know teams that do you know these open tryouts for 150 bucks and whatever so right, it's, right. It, it's hard to it's hard to kind of decipher everything that that happens in that moment i'm not saying that's what happened to you but um but it's just it's just yeah. tough and 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 yeah teams will open their doors and, and welcome all these players in for for tryouts but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're giving them a strong look which is it can, and I think what you said earlier is, it can wreck a player. Right, right, and you know, and, and it's, you know, it's funny you said that about the camps and stuff and all that with the colleges and even, you know, and me personally, like, I don't know if I was saying from the old school, but if I'm coming to try for your team, I don't think I should have to pay, you know, because if I have to pay, I think you're just trying to make money. Um. And that's just the way I feel. So I didn't, I guess we got, I don't know if I would say lucky or what I would say, but, you know, we were getting close to the times where we had to decide, are we going to pay to go to like some of these ID camps or, or what are we going to do? Um, obviously I was against it. Um, I was completely against it, but, um, you know, obviously at the same time I was like, well, it looks like this is what, you know, this is kind of what you have to do with it in soccer. Uh, like I said, we 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 got lucky. Uh, he, you know, he got to Houston. He did really well. You know, they won the championship. A lot of people saw him, and you know, North Carolina came calling. And um, you know, so we we went up and visit. We went up and visited North Carolina and spent a couple of days up there and and everything. And they offered him a full scholarship. And I mean, we were ecstatic. I mean, we went from, you know, one year he was still in Alabama and we weren't sure if he was going to get into an academy to being offered a full scholarship by the University of North Carolina, one of the top soccer programs in the country. So we thought we were on top of the world. I mean, I've always been a North Carolina basketball fan and stuff. And, you know, so we, like I said, as a family, we were just, we were just, very grateful and very, you know, very excited about it. And, you know, so we go from North Carolina to that following spring, signing the pro contract with LC Dallas to, you know, being seen by Byron and the morning and him to come over there on a 10 day trial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, it, it went pretty fast looking looking back and it's still very i mean very very fresh too but but if you if you kind of look back in the last 6 6 to 12 months is there is there anything that you would have done differently is or or did everything fall into place perfectly honestly i think i mean i think it fell into, fell into place perfectly i mean He's at Bayern Munich, arguably one of the top five clubs in the whole world. Um, you know, like every step, it's like I never doubted him, but I always worried. You know, I always think like, is he gonna? When he left and went to, first of all, when they did ODP and he went down to Argentina and stuff, I'm like, I wonder if he's how's he gonna play against those players from Argentina because you know they're known as a soccer country and stuff and. You know, then I get the calls from him and stuff, and he's doing well. He's not impressed. You know, he's, you know, he's he's doing really well. 
you know, and then he comes and you know we he goes to LC Dallas and try out tries out and I'm worried and you know he thought he did well, you know there and when I talk to him when he's somewhere like that and I ask him how he did he's always been honest with me you know he so if he told me he did well I'm, I felt like you know I could take his word for him but either way he it didn't it didn't work out there so when we went to Houston I was with him and I saw it and you know I knew he played well and so I just. I, but I would always worry, like, how's he going to do when the competition level goes up? And every step along the way, you know, he stepped up to the bell. You know, he's he's excelled. And so, like I tell him now, I don't expect anything different from him, even at Bayern Munich. You know, I don't expect anything different but to, to excel. And so, you know, I feel, I feel pretty comfortable and pretty confident in him. That's awesome, man. Um, a thing that popped in my head earlier as you were talking about how you kind of traveled, um, I don't know, I can't remember if you said it was for basketball or for something else, but you had kind of visited all these different countries and you had friends all over the world. And and that seems to have made you a little bit more comfortable with the idea of letting him kind of venture out or, or try these these different things on his own as well. And, and I'm wondering yeah. if uh, if if that's like a conversation that you and your wife or, or, or the three of you have had like, Hey, like, you know, I did it and it was fine. And this is what I learned. And, and you need to go learn this stuff now too. Um, I think what helped in that, in that situation is first of all, with him being away from home, those two years when he, in high school, when he went to Texas, you know, I think that, I think that that helped a lot with this. Now, as far as, I had a good world of view because I had been, you know, I had been a lot of places, you know, Australia, South America, and Iceland, and also Germany. You know, I've been to Germany with work now, and and so I felt really comfortable in going to Germany because I had been to Munich before he went over there um, on his trial. So I, I, you know, I spent quite a bit of time in Germany, and so I, I felt comfortable with the country, the people, and stuff, and you know, so. Yeah, that that really helped make that decision a lot easier. And um, you know, as a matter of fact, when he went down his ten day trial for work, I was getting ready to leave. I was going to be leaving for Germany, like um, maybe like the thirtieth of of April. And he called me like maybe a week and a half before, and he said, um, "Hey, Dad, guess what?" I said, "I said, what's up?" And he said, um, they just told me Byron wants me to come over on a 10-day contract, and I leave on the 29th. And I said, really? I said, that's cool, man. I said, um, so you leave the day before I do. And so, yeah, and so it was uh, it, it was really neat. So I, uh, he got there the day before I did in Germany. I was in single figure, which is down by Stuttgart, and he was in Munich. So I think that weekend... I drove down to Munich, which was like two hours away, and so I got a chance to, to hang out with him. Um, and there was another one of his teammates there with him from Dallas, and I got a chance to watch them um, do a friendly against, I think it was uh, Brighton Hove Albion from out of England. I think that's the name of the team, Brighton Hove, Brighton Hove, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that, Albion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got a chance to watch them have a friendly against them, and he did. He was. He did really well. And I, while I was there, I was talking to 
one of the other parents from the team was kid. This this guy was from America, but he's been in Germany for like thirty years. He was in the military and he ended up marrying a marrying a German lady and so he's he's lived there for like the last thirty years or so. And so we were talking and he said, um he said a lot of people have been talking about your son and stuff. My son and we've been talking about him and he said I wanted to come out and and see him myself. And um he said he's really good, man. He said, um and um it was shortly after that an agent came up to us over there and the agent was asking, um he was asking like uh, who's your son? And I said, uh, you know, I pointed to Christopher and stuff and he said, uh, oh man, he said he's really he said he's really good. He said, um he said, I know the top scout at Byron Munich and they've been talking about him and stuff. And um he said, I was wondering, did you guys have anybody representing you? And I said, Yeah, I said, We are you know, we we were already signed with an agent and I said, um I said, We do and he said, Well maybe I can assist you guys with you know, with with over here in Germany, he said, because uh, you know, it's kind of different from being an American, you know, having an agent here in Germany. And I uh, I said, Well, I, I don't know about that. I said, you know, you'll have to talk with with his agent. I said, I don't I don't really have anything to do with that as far as the agent side. I said, I'm not sure if they, they'll be willing to do that or, or not. And um so we talked a little bit more and he was just telling me like, um, you know, he's always in great position. He he said he sees the field and you know, he was just telling me all these things and and so um, he said he said, honestly from what I'm hearing, they're probably gonna invite him back over, you know, again, maybe for the preseason or something. Um and, and you know, so that was kind of the um you know, the gist of it. And Chris, like I said, he felt comfortable there and and he liked it there and once again he got along with his, with his teammates very well. So it it wasn't hard for us to make the decision to let him go back over there. That's that's so exciting, and um, and obviously I I pay even a, a little bit closer attention to it because right now they have a Croatian coach, and I'm I'm of Croatian uh, heritage, so what? it's kind of cool to see, um, and and not only Chris now too, so two Americans in uh, at Bayern, yeah. actually maybe maybe a couple more in, in in the actual academy, but I saw that Taylor signed signed this morning, so that's super exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's so cool, man. And I can tell just, you know, obviously you're a proud father, but I can, I can tell, you know, just like how proud you actually are just in the way that you're telling the stories. And, and, and that's so exciting for you, man. I'm so happy for you guys and, and your family and for Chris, obviously that's, it's super exciting. Um, Thank you. Thank I, you. I, I want to ask just, just one more question. I hope you don't mind, you know, just a couple more minutes. Um, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But at, at the end of, of every interview that I do, I always ask, what do people need to know? And, you know, having asked coaches and administrators and club owners and, and players and, and everybody, it, it's always like a, a, a very unique, um, you know, set of answers. But, you know, for parents, I feel like this, this could be um, very, very beneficial to hear from, from another parent who has a player that is, that is pursuing the top, top, top level of the game. And, and and you know it's just some some insight that you might be able to provide so you know what what do you think people need to know at this at this moment i'm not necessarily sure if i'm the one to be giving advice because like i said i mean i just think 
I um let's see how can I put this. We just tried to put Christopher in situations that we felt comfortable with, that we felt like the coaches um and the clubs had his had his best interests at heart. Um, you know, we we always supported him and obviously I mean I was I was probably his worst critic and you know, his mom was always the one that he could go to to be consoled and and stuff. Um but you know, we I felt like as a parent, our job, I can think of all those weekends for going out of town with the, you know, with the traveling soccer and stuff and, and, um, just being there for your kids and I'm just kind of supporting them if that's their dream. The, the only thing that I ask Chris, hey, if we're going to do this, then I just ask you to give it your all, you know, and that's, that was all I asked for, you know, just, um, to leave it all out there on the field, you know, and, we didn't we didn't do anything special though. I mean, I can't say that we did anything special besides supporting them, you know, every way that we could. Um, you know, we had to pay for him to do ODP and things, but we knew that in order for him to be seen and stuff, we had to do something else besides just, you know, our regular club soccer. And you know, so I would say to any parent, if you're able to do some of those things, whether it's ODP or um think there's one Audi Pure or something like that, I, I would say do it just because that exposure, if they want to play on another level and you're in a small place like we were, that's not really a soccer hot there. Um, try to get them the exposure or, or if you could get them into an academy. Um, but, you know, obviously do your homework on these academies and and make sure that it's going to be a good fit for, you, for your child. Um I guess that's kind of some of the advice that I would give. Oh, that's excellent advice. And and if I remember correctly, is there is there not a development academy in Alabama? No, there's that's not a development so academy crazy. in Alabama. Yeah, that is so yeah. crazy to we, me. To, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> we, we had we no no we had one like I don't know maybe ten years ago, but for some reason we lost it. We had one um, about ten years ago. And honestly, there has been there have been quite a few good players to come out of here. Um, quite a few good players that came, and a lot of these kids all grew up, and, and they were playing. We all live pretty much in the Birmingham area, and so but there's like three main clubs, and so we were so spread out. Um, but I, I honestly think if you had put one one really good team together, I feel like these guys could have played with a a lot of your academies and everything, your MLS academies and everything, because, I mean, you had Brandon Cervania, um, Devin Benton, there's um, Tanner, that's, that's out of FC Dallas now, there's, um, I was a kid, Will Riker, that was, um, uh, there's one kid played at Philadelphia Union, there's one that's at Columbus Crew, David Rona right now, um, I mean, I know I'm missing some more Kennedy who's at Dartmouth or something. So there's been a lot of really good players that have come out of here um, that, you know, and a lot of these kids had to leave, you know, here to go to academies and stuff, different places to get their exposure. And I'm like you, I felt like it's the, it's the craziest thing that we don't have an academy here anymore. Yeah, not even just in the city, just in the entire state. That's that's what blows yeah. my mind. Like that's crazy. Yes, I mean our closest one was um, 
obviously Atlanta United once it started, which was maybe what three years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and even with that, man, I mean, it was we tried to get a try there and stuff, and you know, we couldn't even get in the door or anything, and you know, so that's funny. <laughs> you know, it's all it's all written in the stars, right? Yeah, yeah, it all it, it all worked out for us, and so we're. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 Coaching Education Program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.